0: by my perfect
1: fire, my perfect Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the third Sunday of Advent. No, the fourth Sunday of Advent. I'm no, the, the fifth
0: Sunday of Advent. The, fifth <laughs> the sixth <laughs> Sunday of Advent. Seventh welcome Sunday of Advent. Welcome to the Word on the Hill. This is the Lanky Guys. And my name is Father Peter Martin. And my name is Scott Howell. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, did, I That was mean of me to Owls. take your mistake and amplify it That's egregiously. That's how we roll. That is true. How are you?
1: I feel like you've been doing that all week. I went skiing with Father Peter and the Baselli brothers and Father Brady on Monday. Yeah, and I got a horrific black eye from a ski to the face. No, dude, it's and like you guys a big gnarly one. And you guys amplified my mistake the entire day, dude.
0: That's all right. A brother, I can take it. I can take it. A I'm brother getting a black eye—like it's—we make fun of it, but the truth is that all of us kind of have a little bit of jealousy in our heart because, like, Annie calls me Slugger. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and I wore one of those. Uh, what are those hats called? You know, like the beanie. No, <laughs> not a beanie. Like the
0: Irish, yeah, grand, those Irish-looking hats, those ones, like newsboy hats. Yeah,
1: and Keenan said I looked like a nineteen twenties boxer. He said I looked <laughs> like a like a tough guy. It, so I felt pretty good about that. Yeah, you really. Do. I should have worn the hat for the podcast. It really adds to it. It. I can. I have needed like a leather bomber jacket. Hey, I got I'm one for go. you, dude.
0: Boom, boom, boom!
1: Shout out to the Baselli brothers, who we had an awesome time with. I feel like Bob, Bob, and Aaron Baselli need a shout out, absolutely, partially for their great hospitality
0: and partially just because of their dedicated listenership. Absolutely. There's all sorts of dedicated listeners out there that we we shout you out right now cuz you. you are with us every single week with us. You are uh, in our minds as we have like visualization. I realize that in our hearts. Yeah, that uh I whenever Scott asks me a question, imagine for your second oh, come that on. you're in front of 9,000 people. On. You and, ask me questions sometimes. I know. and then and then, and then I just stall out in my mind. I'm just like, there's nine thousand of you just sitting right there just saying, like, patiently listening to me like doing laundry there's a lot of pressure doing laundry, <laughs> doing my spiritual laundry <laughs> doing my spiritual laundry or driving a truck or oh. building russian rockets
1: oh that's what they're doing yeah yeah oh i thought you meant you were doing
0: that i'm not doing that
1: i thought they were staring at you doing your laundry
0: i'm looking at my verbum software Got which it. is uh, wonderful and you can get a <clears> 10 percent <throat> discount um if you put in lanky guys, lanky guys at so verbum.com on the code because we guess love what? what it's super awesome we love our verbum Yo. Guess what else we love? What do we love?
1: The fourth Sunday of Advent.
0: Buh, uh, Father Peter,
1: our readings this week are coming from the book of Micah.
0: <laughs> what? I'm jumping in. It's, Scott is saying that because um, I've had an incredibly busy life in this past bit. And um, <sighs> I may be uh, a little bit free uh, of uh, my uh, ability to study. Mm-hmm. Okay, that I didn't say that right. No, I would have I, said it regardless. I didn't study well for this. You don't have to admit that. You don't have to tell them. Oh, okay. I would never tell
1: them if I didn't study.
0: Well, because you always study, though. Make it up on... Yeah, that's true. Well, yesterday... Good point. There was, it was a snow day in Boulder, and I attribute it to St. Joseph Cupertino. It was a snow day during finals week, and all of them got canceled. They can't do in-person finals. And I can just see this one guy. He's like, he's like Joseph Cupertino, <laughs> Father Peter mentioned your name in, in mass on Sunday. And, and I beseech you and I will make your name known if you please set me free. I am not ready. And then, and then it's like snow. I mean, like, come on. You know that the rejoicing out of 30,000 students. Well, you got the student
1: because what see you decide. I mean, it's fairly unprecedented that a snow day during finals because, you know, people are graduating on Friday. So. Whatever your grade was prior to the final, that's your grade. No. Oh, yeah. No, so finals are done. So, like, half the school is like, yeah. And I bet half the people are like, no, I needed that final. Oh, dude, that's intense. Because there's, I mean, how are you going to make it up? The semester's over. People are leaving.
0: Dude, that's crazy. You better be calling some professors. I'll tell you what. Professors better be on the switchboard.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They have it on lock. On lock. All right. Our first
0: reading is coming from the book of Mike. Uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Hey, And then our response is from Psalm 80. You bet it is. 2 to 3. 15 to 16, 18 to 19, yo. yo. And our response is from 4. 4. 84. Which
1: is not even part of the response
0: world. Yeah, you know, that's okay. I that's actually weird. like it. I actually, I really hate it when they use um the responsory re- and then they like change a word from what it says oh, in the I verses know. Why I'm they like do why that? why can't you just reinforce what it says I don't understand it I don't get it I mean I guess it's trying to like compound the f- poetry of the meaning of the thing but it's <laughs> well it, said <laughs> it doesn't quite work all the time
1: Well speaking of well said our second reading is coming from the book of Hebrews Hey guess I'm just trying to tie the up Hey guess what <laughs> well, you you, you know
0: you know how <laughs> Moses drinks his beer he brews it ah,
1: with hops <laughs> I don't know what that, that Hey, that was me. good, man. That Why? Was, Why on that earth was, was that good?
0: That was hopping mad, man.
1: Oh, good job. All right. Okay. I'm Well, I have lots of beefs with today, but we'll get to that in a minute. Our second reading is from the book of Hebrews, chapter
0: 10, verses 5 through 10. Then our gospel is Luke chapter 1, 39 to forty five, with our acclamation coming in at number thirty-eight. Coming in at number thirty-eight. <laughs> yeah. The gospel acclamation. <laughs> 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 that, was, that was great. Thanks. <clears throat> which is right the gospel acclamation is the verse right before we get into the reading, which is can be very helpful for us um, on yeah. some way, which so I don't helpful.
1: know. I okay, I don't I don't understand. There's so many things I don't understand. You know, welcome to my life. Do you have – all right. Um, okay, so our first – got to talk about Micah for a little bit. All right, so we just paused the podcast to do
0: some homework. <laughs> just yeah, because real, really there's quick. some really weird things happening with uh, Chapter 4 and the last verse in Chapter 5 with the RSV.
1: Yeah, so in the readings we get from Mass, so our readings in the lectionary here in the U.S. at least all come from the New American Bible translation, the NAB, um, which is fine. It's the translation that's sort of – the most—it's uh, meant to be the most understandable and comprehensible to the broadest number of people. Which and is, it's, it's a good translation.
0: Our lectionary translation is actually a modified N RSV. Yeah. So just in case, no, you're modified NAB. NAB, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But my RSV and a couple other translations I was studying from this morning all have a different verse for number for verse one, and the verse one in my translation is actually the last verse of chapter four, and the, um, and, and, and the NAB, right. If none of that makes sense, don't worry about it. Some of you, I know, might want to go back to your Bible and kind of study it but do whatever you do. But that verse, so in the RSV and some others, that first verse is actually really important. So a word about Micah. So I actually want to say a word about that first verse. word about Micah, though. Micah, um, Micah's micah got an interesting place in the canon. He's he's probably a contemporary of Isaiah. Um, and well, he,
0: gosh, no wonder he gets overshadowed. He I totally mean, gets I-
1: overshadowed, but—well, he he totally gets overshadowed except for one place— um, Jeremiah, do you remember Jeremiah? Yeah. When he's the, so, bu- the bullfrog, <laughs> right? Was a good friend of mine. Uh, but he's coming after Isaiah. He's giving warnings against Jerusalem, and he specifically gives all these warnings against the temple, saying, "Remember, you've become a den of robbers. You've become corrupt. Right. You got to change your ways." One of the responses to Jeremiah, if you remember, I think it's in chapter. I had it in my notes, which I forgot down in my office. But one of the responses to Jeremiah when he says that are the people saying. This is what the prophet Micah said, and we all listened to him, oh. and we were saved from the Assyrians. Oh, wow. So there's some precedent there that, you know, Micah said the same thing, and they're like, well, maybe we should listen to this Jeremiah guy, too, because we listened to Micah. He said kind of the same thing, and we were all kind of saved by it. So they all know—so at least for that time, Micah's pretty well known. Isaiah obviously would have been as well. But they're quoting Micah in, in the book of Jeremiah. And basically what Micah's is doing is this. he, It's a pretty dark book, and he basically lays out three what's called covenant lawsuits against the nation of Israel. And says basically three different times, here are the ways in which you've failed as a people, in which you've failed to keep the covenant. Yeesh. And particularly what Micah zeroes in on are the corrupt kings, the mm. bad kings. And it really goes after them. And it talks about um, chapter four, which is kind of what leads us into chapter five, yep. which is our reading. And, and the reason part of the reading, the reason we're doing this reading during Advent is that the first reading this week talks all about Bethlehem and how out of Bethlehem will come this great king who will shepherd us and all this stuff. It's a really good, hopeful, beautiful passage. But Knowing what leads you there actually kind of changes some stuff. Basically, the book of Micah is all about these kings who've become terrible, who were supposed to be shepherds, and have become terrible shepherds. And actually, chapter 4 gives these accusations against the kings and said, You have not been shepherds. You've been the kind of shepherds who actually slaughter and eat your own flock. And it, it literally says that. You've killed and eaten your sheep. That's what kind of shepherds your kings have been. And so because the shepherds of Israel have been so lousy, and it actually goes on, chapter 4 talks about how, and we've talked about this elsewhere, what the king is supposed to be is, uh, it's called in Hebrew the Poretz. Remember that, the sheep gate? Yeah. And so literally what the, the shepherd is supposed to do is basically find there were these places where you could kind of create these little rock walls during the night and you could pen, create little pens for your flock. And what you would do is there'd be a little gate area and literally a good shepherd would lay his body down in the opening between the pen and the outside world where he would literally put his body in between his flock and all of the dangers that could come. All right. And that's what a shepherd is supposed to do. And, and Micah says, you've done the opposite. You've actually been the predators. You've taken your flock and you've eaten them and you've slaughtered them and you've done all these terrible things. So because of that... God says, not only am I going to send a new king, I'm going to send myself as king. I will be the shepherd that these shepherds never were.
0: And I will lay down my life for and my sheep.
1: I will lay down. I will become the 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 sheep, poretz, gates. The sheep gate for them. So it's it's not surprising. W- what was the word again? Poretz, poretz. P-O-R-E-T-Z, I believe. Poretz, the sheep gate. Hmm. Um, and then we get our reading from this week, and it, it's— that's the thing. I mean, we can kind of see this as this kind of random scattered, you know, we, we love to, especially at Christmas time. I think we love to kind of cherry pick the Christmassy verses from the Old Testament. <laughs> and we're like, oh, there'll be a virgin who gives birth. And oh, from Bethlehem shall rise up this leader that comes forth. But all of it in context really matters, because what's the only thing people would really associate Bethlehem with at that point?
0: Bread. Uh,
1: yeah, the house of bread. That's the meaning of the uh, name. Uh, but who uh, comes from Bethlehem? Oh, uh, 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 David. David? What's David known for aside from being king?
0: A shepherd. Was he? he was a shepherd. And, well, and, and actually, Bethlehem is, is the place where they would raise the sheep for the slaughter. So Absolutely. all the fields that were around Bethlehem are going to be your place where this sheep gate is going to take place.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's all kind of in the area around the the hillsides of Judea,
0: which, which meant that you had the best shepherds because they had to be sheep without blemish, which meant they had to be really particularly attentive to the sheep so that they didn't get um, you know messed up by barbed wire and uh, they didn't have barbed wire, but no, just but... They, they didn't get you know uh, scratched. Watched and jacked up. Yeah. <laughs> right. The other thing I want to say about chapter four, though,
1: is that in response to these terrible shepherds, knowing that God is going to come Himself someday and become yep. their shepherd, Micah announces that God will essentially abandon them for a while. Or at least it will look like God has abandoned them. There's going to be silence on the part of heaven, basically. You're going to be it's going to be quiet. Mm. Which is interesting because after after the last sitting, well, let me just read, so my version of chapter five, which is in the n a b it's the last verse of chapter four, but it says this. My truth, my truth. <laughs> but it says, <laughs> now Israel or Jerusalem specifically, you are walled about with a wall. Siege is laid against us. with a rod, they will strike upon the cheek the ruler of Israel. And in a very and and on a very real level, it's this is about the Zedekiah back in the time of Jeremiah, who's kind of the last sitting king. Jerusalem will be walled about by the Babylonians, they'll haul him out, they'll strike him, they'll, they'll literally slaughter the king. So this is, in an immediate sense, about the king of Israel. But if you read it with the right eyes, just yep. about as, as it's about to announce, this king who's going to come from Bethlehem, think about a leader, of a ruler of Israel that's going to be str- stricken on the cheek and laid waste to. I mean, we see in this very profound way, this is actually going to be Jesus. So, yeah, Zedekiah, the last king of Israel, will be walled about and will be killed. But there's also this perfect shepherd king who's going to be announced in the next couple of verses. This is also going to be taken on by him as well in a whole different way. Mm. But the interesting thing is that After this takes place in the the part of the actual king, the sitting king in Jerusalem in the Old Testament, there really is silence from God. After the book of Malachi, which is the last of the Old Testament prophets, heaven is silent. There's no more prophets. You have the book of Maccabees in between in the timeline. But Maccabees is about something that the Israelites are doing. You don't hear any messages from God or any revelation or any prophets speaking to this. There's literally silence from heaven for hundreds of years. And if you look at just the timeline of the Old Testament, the prophets stop speaking. And they're silent until this little child is born in Bethlehem at the beginning of the Gospels. So there is a real, so as as Micah warns, there is this real sense of abandonment, which is not Strictly to punish them because God's ticked off, but it's to help, I think, get the people of Israel to realize, wow, we need someone to save us. Mm. We need heaven to speak. We need this shepherd king that God promised back in the time of Micah. And it's going to come in, in this unexpected. Well, it seems unexpected, but if you do, if you cobble together the prophets in the Old Testament, you see the big picture and you're like, oh, yeah, this really is what's supposed to be. This is what's supposed to come. But the key to, I think, remember is before this birth from Bethlehem, there's going to be silence and seeming abandonment on the part of God. Mm. That is, I think, why it's partially applicable to the season of Advent, yeah. where there's a quiet waiting. Now, we know the end of the story. We know what's going to happen, of course, because we're living on the other side. But at the same time, Advent is this kind of penitential season of waiting, of quiet. Yeah. And so we're reliving this, waiting for this
0: birth to happen. Isn't it... <clears throat> Is it in Isaiah where it says in our day we have no prince, prophet, or leader, um no one uh, to offer sacrifice for us? Is that Isaiah? Yeah, uh, I can't remember. I don't remember. It. I know I what I you're talking about. I don't remember the address of that one. Mm, that's all right.
1: Yeah. Well and So that's Micah.
0: And and this is the the best. Uh like that we uh it's like this.
1: Brenda Canella's little podcast app that cuts out the dead space
0: is having a blast right now. I know. I... Anticipation is actually one of the most important things of our life. Yeah. And uh, those of you who have bought your presents on Amazon are getting a little bit of the flavor for three days. <laughs> <laughs> of What does it mean to actually anticipate? And um, in, in an immediate culture, we really struggle with any sort of lag time at all. Um, of allowing things to develop, um, we're used to digital pictures, we're instant, instant feedback, um, ver- versus this, which is like, nope, okay, you gotta wait. Yeah. I mean, hundreds of years. Yeah. To think about that. And they did. Yeah. And they kept track, and they were attentive, and so we are called to do the same thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But cry out, and that's what what we learn in our psalm.
1: And that's what, the, yeah, exactly. That's what the psalm teaches us. So, Lord, make us turn to you. Let us see your face, and we shall be saved. And, of course, this psalm, of course, it's all about the shepherd of Israel. Hearken, O shepherd of Israel. But, I mean, if you if you read the whole psalm, it's actually pretty, pretty brutal. It's actually a pretty rough psalm. Not in the part that we get, but if you kind of finish it to the end. I mean, it, it, it talks about how look to us, God, and see um, they have burned us down with fire. They've cut it down. We perish. Um, you know, all all these things about being burned down and destroyed. We've become the scorn of our enemies. Um, he has fed us with tears. You know, all these things. Our enemies laugh among themselves at us. It's all pretty brutal. I don't think we get the, the bad parts in our psalm. We're kind of selective. But this is where, oh, I, don't, I don't know how to say this. I mean, I think the church, and maybe she's putting too much on us because we're not going to do it. We should, though, but the church sort of trusts and hopes that will go back in and see the context of these things. And if you read this whole psalm, which is not a terribly long psalm, yes, it's got these great beautiful passages that you will hear in the Mass this weekend about God coming and sending the power of his cherubim and and rising, rousing his power to see us and looking down from heaven. But if you read it in between the lines or in between the passages that we get, it's all pretty, pretty ugly. It's saying, do this because everything is terrible. We're eating and drinking our tears as bread and our enemies are laughing at us and everything is terrible so this sense of abandonment that Micah warned about, the Psalms are written from within it and saying, yeah, we feel it and it stinks. So come on.
0: Yeah. yeah. Isn't it interesting that I think that that's a lot of people's experience, especially with the beginning of winter mm. in, in between Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. It's is, real. It's physically dark, at least in this part of the world. It's physically dark as well as the, uh, the experience of, of, <clears throat> of the complexities of life really, like we don't have the same work that we were paying attention to before and relationships and our relationship with God is it needs to come out. And, and like we actually have to deal with a lot of things that are difficult in this time. Yes. And, and that's that's actually part of what this is. Um, our difficult relationship with God has to actually be paid attention to. Absolutely. Which I actually
1: think and I'm not trying to contrive this. I think that actually is a good lead way into the second reading. Mm hmm. Um, in a way that I actually didn't see until literally this second. I like it so, when that happens. So the Holy Spirit's guiding this bad Oscar because I didn't know really what to do with the Psalm or the uh, the second reading because it's a good reading, but it's from Hebrews. We've been in Hebrews for a while. Remember, Hebrews is this. Um, it's not. An, well, it's kind of an apologetic, basically written to the people, the Jewish Christians, Jews who have accepted Christ who are being tempted because you know of ridicule from their neighbors and their friends and whatever other pressures, basically to throw in the towel. And Hebrews is saying, no, look, you can't go back. If you realized what you have now yeah. in this new covenant, you can't possibly go back to the old covenant. Mm. And so it's constantly comparing Jesus, the new priest, uh, comparing it to the Levites, and Jesus, the new temple, to the old temple, and his sacrifice to the old sacrifices, and this constant juxtaposition. If you realized what you have, you can't go back. And in chapter 10, kind of in the midst of talking about the liturgical sacrifice of the Old Testament, how Jesus' sacrifice trumps it, you know, in such a profound way, we get this. It says, brothers and sisters, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In Holocaust and sin offerings, you took no delight. And then I said, as it is written in the, in, to me in the scroll, behold, I come to do your will, O God. And it goes on about sacrifices and offerings and sin offerings. You didn't, you neither delighted nor desired. Um, what's the, what's the passage? This is, by the way, a big quote from Psalm 40, which is what Hebrews is doing. Oh, nice. But what's the what's that famous passage? Um, uh, that you do not require sacrifices. Um,
0: sacrifices you do not desire, but a humble and, and contrite heart. a humble
1: and contrite heart. Where's that coming from? It's one of the one of the prophets. I mean, the psalm is reiterating it. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So that, that's what I was... That's actually at first glance where I thought this was coming from. Oh. Um, but it's not. It's from Psalm
0: 40. You we're bad with our addresses today.
1: At, uh, today we are. No, I forgot my notes down in my office. Oh. I had it all. But it's okay because here here's the connection I think is going on here. He doesn't desire these sacrifices of animals any, any longer. No, he did command those things. I'm not... We can't be the kind of dualist that look at the Old Testament and say, well, that's all bad, Jesus is all good, you know, Old Covenant bad, Jesus good. God asked for those things for a time, but that time is up now. Well, Now and,
0: he wants— Well, and this, the, the purpose of that was to actually gain the heart. Absolutely. It was actually uh, meant to get at something, so it was, it was a metanoia, transformation. Right. Which it, is, like, we are all so tempted with this that yeah. what we do is I get my Sunday obligation in and I'm yeah. done. Yep. You know, I show up and I think about football for an hour and then I go home. You don't even like football. I don't even like football, but versus saying saying like, I want to actually go into this, experience it, worship God. And then I, then, uh, because it's the heart that's supposed to be in it. I just have to laugh. So
1: I was driving home from Vail on Monday with Father Brady and I'm just (laughs) going to, I'm going to embarrass Father, he doesn't listen to the podcast, but he's, I mean, we all know how holy he does. Does he? Well, he's probably going to be embarrassed. We all know how holy Father Brady is.
0: And Holy, he was, awesome.
1: you know, we we're it was a long drive. So we were having this conversation. He was asking me about my prayer life and like, how did you develop a prayer life? And I was just basically talking about this hit or miss, like, well, I tried these things and it doesn't work. And so now I have the schedule that I keep and that allows me to be consistent and just showing, I was so proud of myself that now I can, if I, if I am able to discipline myself, I can actually have this time and I can begin to talk to God and I can, you know, I'm, I'm giving this long answer. I'm like, how did you develop a prayer life? And he basically said, he's like, well, when I was a really little kid, I just at Mass, I was like, God, make me holy. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding. Like, of course you did. Of course. I'm like, Come you on, did. man. I'm talking about my schedules. And my but it's just, that's what God wants. And it was such a simple answer. He's like, I was a little kid and I just desired holiness. And he was like, I haven't achieved it and I'm, I'm terrible in these ways. But I was just like, that's beautiful. And I wish that I had that. Like, I wish that I was a little kid and my heart was just moved with the desire for holiness. Mm hmm. But it, was just, it just made me laugh. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, did. yeah, you're holier than me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but
1: I'm thinking about this, and I'm seeing that you desire a body laid down. And, of course, Jesus. Of course, this, this sparks our mind. But who is Jesus? I mean, how does this tie into the theme we've seen so far? And one of the themes that we've been seeing so far is that of the shepherd, right? Right. The shepherds who come into Bethlehem, the shepherd God that we're waiting for in the Psalms. But what are the shepherds supposed to do for their sheep? Literally lay down their bodies in the gate of the sheepfold. What is Hebrew saying? It's saying God doesn't God doesn't desire these going through the motions sacrifices. He desires you to lay down your body. Just like your shepherd, your king, the one who Micah predicted, didn't eat his flock, didn't mislead his flock, he laid down his body in between them and the enemy. And so as followers as sheep We as sheep are called to actually do the same thing, to lay down our bodies, literally, between God's beloved people and the enemy. Mm. That's what he wants. That's the desire. And I was trying to think, I I didn't see what this had to do with the other readings. And now I'm seeing it because we talked in the first reading all about a body being laid down. That's what a shepherd is supposed to do. That's Mm. what Christ does. And if Christ did it, then he wants it of us as well. And he's going to give us the grace to do it. Well, I thought that was kind of a neat a neat connection.
0: I think it's a great connection. But
1: that that's what he wants.
0: He wants all of us. Yes. In a profound way. And and his <clears> body <throat> is is the gate, which is his body is the gate. Which is still actually the case. And that's yeah. why he identifies himself with his church. We are called the body of Christ. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and like and, and we're all participating in it. Yeah. I, I like to consider myself a cell in Jesus' <laughs> body. <laughs> I'm an earlobe. I <laughs> it dude, doesn't do it, anything. You, it doesn't do what anything. What does the earlobe but, do? It helps reflect the sound into the rest of the ear. Oh, it does it. Oh, there you go. And it's pierced for other people's offenses, and for Ah. vanity—not vanity,
1: but just for anyway. Yeah, come on. I
0: was I was being pious for you, dude. Like saying like that you were stricken, and that you had an earring put through your body, which is kind of (laughs) weird. It's a really weird piercing. He has got like a diamond in his chest. Um, I'm me. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It's weird. Yeah, and not on the soles of your shoes, oh which gets goodness. us directly into the gospel
1: of Luke. Here's one of those days when I trust the church with all of my heart and I assent to her completely. But man, if I was putting these readings together, <laughs> I would have chosen <laughs> some different ordering.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, man. I was reading this this morning. And I so this reading that we get is from the beginning of Luke. It's basically the story of when Mary sets out. So she's had the angel Gabriel announce to her that she's going to give birth to the Messiah. Yep. We go through that whole thing. She gets, the, she gives the Magnificat prayer, right, and then of course immediately she sets out because she hears Elizabeth is also gonna have a baby. Her cousin, who's you know advanced in age, she also probably realizes that look, this is gonna be pretty awkward for a while. I'm, an, you know, I'm not totally married yet, or the process, I'm only betrothed. Oh, I never I'm thought about now. that. What should I do? I'm gonna go stay with my relative because this is gonna be really awkward and uncomfortable otherwise. Which I think is just kind of beautiful. Like, I'll stay with you. I'll have a refuge with you I, in a room. Oh,
0: I think about the Sisters of Life. Yeah,
1: that's absolutely it. That's the model, I think.
0: I mean, I don't, I don't know so for too. sure, but... and I'm I think sure part of it they've is, meditated on that Oscar oscarella bunch. But
1: but Mary's intent... I mean, part of it, I'm sure she wants to serve Elizabeth, because that's who Mary is. But I think there's also a level of, like, this is going to be safe. I'm going to take refuge here for a while. Yeah. Now... Mary sets out. She goes to the hill country to Elizabeth's house, the house of Zechariah. She's going to stay there for three months. John the Baptist will leap in Elizabeth's womb. yeah, joy of hearing Mary's voice. And I was reading this, and I'm like, man, if I was putting this together, I would have had the first reading be from Second Samuel. <laughs> Which yes. is this great, there's a profound story of David, who is, again, the consummate shepherd, the, the model shepherd of the Old Testament, right? who takes the Ark of the Covenant, leaps before it, like John the Baptist, right. takes it to the hill country of Judea for three months, stays at the house of this guy named Obededon. And, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, of course, what's in the Ark of the Covenant? Well, the bread of the presence, the manna, the bread come down from heaven, right? Yep. The staff of Aaron, the, lo- the, the priesthood, rod. and the books of the covenant, the law. The priesthood, the law. So you have the bread from heaven, the priesthood, and the law all in the tabernacle. What is inside of Mary right now? Well, the high priest, the new law, and the bread come down from heaven. I mean, the parallels are just so beautiful. But of course, I didn't put these together. So the church in her wisdom has chosen other readings to connect. (laughs) Amen. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, what is this? What is the connection here? Yeah, no. Like kidding. I see the connection between the three, the first three, clear as a bell. But what is going on? I think as I'm talking about it, yep. What I'm seeing is Mary doing what God has asked of us in the Book of Hebrews. She knows that dwelling within her. I don't know what to what extent she understands, but dwelling within her, regardless, is what Micah predicted. God himself. Well, all of that, but God himself becomes shepherd. Right, the, and I, I presumably Mary knows the scripture. She studied this. She probably knows Micah. Well, we she know this knows, from her
0: Magnificat. Of course, she knows all the stories. She's putting everything together. Right,
1: and at, she's in Bethlehem. Surely she recognizes. Oh, Micah! This was about a shepherd king who's going to come out of Bethlehem. That's where I am right now. Well, no, she's not. She's in Nazareth. Yep. That's one of those ones I'm like, did you put the pieces together on that or not? I don't know. But she knows that the shepherd king is within her. What is the shepherd king supposed to do, according to the psalm and according to the second reading, to lay his life down for the flock? What is Mary doing? She's actually taking her body, number one, to a place of worship and rest. But she's also going to sacrifice for Elizabeth. I mean, I, I, I do think part of this, she hears her elderly cousin is about to give birth, and her first response is, I have to go and lay my body down at her service, and I have to help her. And I know she's going to help me as well. I know it's a safe place, but I also just have to assume that Mary is going to, whether it's conscious or not, she is imitating Christ, who lays his body down for his beloved. This is what she's doing. She's laying her young, embarrassed, awkward, pregnant you know, probably uncomfortable body at the service of her cousin and saying, I want to serve you and I'm going to make the trip. Where? To the hill country of Judea, where the best of the best shepherds are. I'm in shepherd country now, and that's where the, the, that's where the God-man is going to gestate in me, in the midst of shepherd country, to be born in the house of the greatest shepherd in our history. But as I'm there, I'm actually going to be of service to your little flock that you've given me.
0: I don't know. I don't. I don't mean to stretch this too much. Well, I just. Well, I mean, I just look at this moment, and and I look at um, Zechariah, Elizabeth, and John the Baptist, who's gonna, who's in Elizabeth's womb. Yeah, and all of them are marked with the same shepherding quality. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and and like well, John the Baptist particularly lays his life down.
1: And, and Zachariah and Elizabeth are from a priestly family. The priests are called, at least in this time period, because there's no kings, the priests are supposed to shepherd the people. Right. So right. she goes to the spiritual shepherds of the people, who happen to be her family, who she knows will shepherd her, well, so that she can help to lay her life down for the shepherd family, to give birth to the shepherd, and the guy who's going to prepare the shepherd's
0: way. Right. I don't know. It's all getting crazy in my it's, head. It's all like shepherd's by man. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: but it's also here where we get the Hail Mary. Prayer, yes. Where Elizabeth um, declared, well, uh, Gabriel already started the hail Mary, hail Mary, full of filled with grace, the Lord is with you. And then, of course, Elizabeth said, "Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb." I mean, there's so much we could talk about. Well, "Blessed are you <laughs> among
0: women" is like is like the indicator that that a woman is going to take a weapon and strike a deadly blow against the head of the enemy army. Absolutely, J. L. Judith and Judith and the Mary. only
1: and Mary. There's a Where is it? It's in Ein Kerem, I think is where it is, and what's believed to be the birthplace of John the Baptist. There's a little church there. I've never been there, but Tom Smith told me about it. There's a little church there um, devoted to Mary, and there's a picture of Mary. There's a big icon of Mary above the altar flanked by little icons of Judith and Jael, Mm -hmm. which is traced from, like, the second century. So, I mean, it's a very old church, but they got it. They're like, oh, yeah, these are the three women who crushed the head of the enemy. And the only three of them called by this name, but What we have to meditate on is what's the shepherd quality there? I mean, what is she doing? Mary is being a shepherd. What does the shepherd do? She protects the flock from the enemy. What does any good parent do? What does a good mother do? She protects her children from what's dangerous. This is fundamentally what Mary is doing. And especially if Mary is all of our mothers, the mother of all Christendom, she, as a good mother, protects her little children from the enemy by crushing the head of the serpent. There's this great um, piece of art by um, Caravaggio. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen this? Of it's it's a oh it's brilliant. It's Don't this know. picture of Mary holding little baby Jesus, mm-hmm. who always looks giant in pictures of baby Jesus. Anyway, oh, yeah, she's holding little baby Jesus. Um, Anne, Saint Anne, Mary's mother, is in the background, and Mary is crushing the head of a snake and little baby Jesus's foot is on top of Mary's foot oh. pushing Mary's foot down so that she can crush this head of the serpent. Oh, gosh, this brilliant painting. There's so much going on. But I mean, this is Mary Imitating her son in a real yeah. way, doing what she's called to do, being like the shepherd, who is her child. I mean, imagine the job of shepherding the shepherd. Oh, yeah. And this is what she's called to do so that he can free all of us. So right. she protects him from danger, protects all of us from danger so that he can... So he can lay his life down for us, so he can be the Poretz for us, lay his life at the sheep gate to protect us from the enemy ultimately, and give her the strength and the power to do the same thing, right? To do what only he can empower her to do. Right. I'm not trying to get confusing here, and I feel my head is spinning a little bit with this because I'm really trying to find the shepherd piece.
0: I, I, in I, here. I totally agree. And, and, and I'm sitting over here and I'm thinking, gosh, I, I wish I could make a new lectionary. <laughs> well, no, I don't, because I, no, this is no. This wisdom this, here. this is there's total wisdom here. Um, but uh, but I understand because I, because there's a little bit of juggling to actually discover these threads are. This is the thing: is that there's Tenuous. so many threads, but yeah. it's it's hard for us to actually put them together. As as for everybody, but. What we do know in the in the midst of this is that we do have a shepherd who has laid down his life and that those who are near him are marked with that same reality. Right. And and like uh and so it's therefore the Lord will give them up until the time when she who is to give birth has born hmm. and the rest of his kindred shall return to the children of Israel. What are you reading from? micah
1: micah oh the reading yeah yeah the reading yeah yeah
0: (laughs) yeah yeah that that um and he shall take his place as shepherd so what's happening is that it's um is how do you know that you're in the midst of of the reality of salvation is that you are marked with the same thing that he is marked with which is this willingness to be in the brink Hmm. and it's even just a little bit it's like any willingness we are to take up that cross is so so important to, and rather than to feed off of what it is. Yes. So there you go. And we do it in our bodies. And we do it in our body. Well, that's the only place we can do it. That's right. That's why Scott and I. Uh, I mean, we really believe um, in that the gospel comes incarnate. Yes. And that uh, that you that this podcast shouldn't just stop with you listening to it. You mm. should take these ideas to yourself and tell people them. And just one-on-one, claim these ideas yeah. as your own. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Take them to yourself and imbibe them, and don't just necessarily give people the podcast, though we do like more subscribers. Yeah. Um, but but tell these stories and talk about the shepherding realities and the connections of your... Of, absolutely. Of your. Absolute. <laughs> of your.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, please do. And give yeah. us more subscribers as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, you guys. Have a wonderful Fourth Sunday of Advent. We're on the way to Christmas. Boom. Boom.
0: Saddle up. Put on your wool socks. The sheep gave it willingly. (laughs) I didn't even know what that means. No, it's good.
1: All right. We'll be back next week. We will see you then. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.